This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, I'm Joy Fan. I'm the CCO at Storefront. And what I love about retail real estate is, especially today, it is a blank canvas in which we can activate. So I get to meet some of the key leaders who are interested in this space, and we get to absolutely change what it looks like today, and consumers are really leading that space. Retail isn't dead, but a lot of retail spaces are empty. So the question is, how do landlords connect with brands that want to create in-person experiences for their customers? Coming up, you'll hear from a company that is making those connections happen and filling those empty spaces. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Uh, before we welcome our uh, our guest today for the conversation, uh, joining Scott and myself today is uh, Pavan Ball, uh, one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business. What's happening, Tom? Mm-hmm. And everybody, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Joy, thanks uh, thanks for joining all of us today. Um, we're nice. excited to have you here. And s- the storefront is a marketplace for retail space. That's correct. Why is that important? Oh, it is a marketplace for short-term retail and pop-ups. And the reason why it's so important today is we've been able to crack the code in which uh, the industry is moving into short-term and make it more accessible to consumers today. So uh, we connect brands with retail space, both excess and pop-up, and uh, it has been ever transforming. I would say five years ago, um, real estate brokers and landlords definitely shut the door to the idea of pop-ups. Today, they are open arms and really excited about the word. And um, as of recent at ICSC, it was definitely the buzzword of the entire conference. Why do you think that change started to happen, right? I I remember pop-ups are seemingly very new, right? You didn't see that as much, at least, until uh, relatively recently, at least in New York City. Why is it that previously they're shutting doors on it, but now in the past few years, you said they're starting to open themselves up? Absolutely. So a couple of years ago, I would say it wasn't as much of a trend as it is today. But as the demand of retail needs have changed, people are definitely opening up to it. The, the I mean, this, this strategy has been around. So yeah. in retail, but I mean, it was, as you mentioned, in kind of like these small pockets and silos. So like retailers like Bendel's will have these pop-up shops inside their environment. And that's kind of how this trend started. Actually, we were talking before just uh, the recording and, uh, you know, we share a common friend and a, a former advisor or an advisor store from Melissa Gonzalez of Lioness Group. And um, she was our first speaker at uh, a meetup that I started called Open Source Fashion 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been there. And that was kind of a trend that we had anticipated, especially Storefront, obviously, um, for some time. But you're seeing now that it's a strategy that the larger companies are deploying because they're not, they're changing what the retail environment to them, what it means. 
And that's what's really interesting here. So you guys kind of hit this perfect timing stride where you saw, you know, obviously inventory was opening up. There was a bit of a consolidation or a transformation inside a retailer, the application of physical retail. Exactly. And you just, I mean, rode one hell of a wave exactly. over the last, and what, six, seven years? How long have you guys been around Yeah, now? since 2012. Yeah, so this is nothing that new exactly. for you. And experiential activation. So pop-ups have been around forever. You would probably see Adidas, Nike, everybody has been doing pop-ups. But the reason why it's the, the shift has happened is that demands of retail has changed. So in the past 15, 20 years, you see, you know, from Shopify to Square to Etsy, all of these guys, they allowed for entrepreneurs to be able to build their businesses. And now you're seeing a lot of them from going from e-commerce and wanting to grow their business offline. So, you know, mm-hmm. the big names include Warby well, Parker. Warby, Tom's. Exactly, guys, Tom's. Yeah. The um, Bonobo's. Indochino and all of these guys now have brick and mortar stores. So we were excited to have helped um, in that. So there you see the the analog between a lot of technology platforms enabling entrepreneurship and startups to exactly. kind of come online much more easily and more readily, spurring on innovation and entrepreneurship, and taking that online in, instance and implementation to offline and making it possible. So this is kind of a a natural evolution out of things like Shopify and Etsy and the like into the, the physical world. But exactly. It, it's and like the perfect time with the, the just inventory with commercial real estate. So yes, exactly. Right? And, and the fact that storefront makes retail more accessible, meaning we put all the pricing upfront. It's the transparency of pricing allows for the market to actually uh, be more accessible because now, and as you guys know, real estate has always been a bit of a black box. Mm -hmm. Uh, When there is a price for one building, it may not be uh, shared and there's a negotiation period. What we've done is we've provided provided that pricing upfront so that anyone would be able to see it and they'd be able to share it just the same. But it, it's a two-sided marketplace in, in that you're serving the landlords and Absolutely. and the brands seeking exactly. the space. So you don't actually own the space. We don't own the space. Uh, our technology makes it easy for brands to be able to search these spaces uh, based on availability, based on um, the pricing, based on location. So it makes it easy. And you would just go in, put in the filters, um, speak with the landlords or the listing owners, and uh, once you're ready, be able to book. And for context of those listening, what cities, countries are, are you currently in? Yes. We've grown pretty um, pretty majorly in the past couple of months. Uh, we're excited to have shared that we are now in Canada as well. But in terms of the U.S., which I um, am primarily focused in, we, are, we just opened up Austin and Dallas, uh, we're in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, um, and Chicago, Miami, and then now Austin and Dallas. Joy, you this is your second stint with Storefront. So you were there as part of the original uh, founding, founding team. team that was there. Um, now I know some of those folks, uh, including Tristan, who I'm friendly with, have moved on, um, went through some major infusions of cash over the last uh, couple of years, and... Um, I'm wondering if the original ethos of what the company or the vision of the company was at that time in 2012, has it differed at all? And if so, how has it changed over the last, maybe since acquisition? Sure. So 
I remember being in a room with Tristan, Eric, Adam, Matt, and owed to all of these guys who really uh, took the step and courage to to say, hey, look, this may not be something that uh, landlords are uh, welcome to, but we're going to start to have those conversations. And I think at the time, uh, you know, we were building something that was geared towards the Etsy's, the Shopify's, the Squares. Yeah. Um, but then there were a lot of uh, potential in terms of the event world. So we started asking, you know, maybe we should be building this off of event space. Um, I would say that now the major focus for storefront is really storefronts. Mm-hmm. Um, really looking at what is possible for the retail real estate industry as opposed to the mixed format um, of, let's say, Splacer or um, even Peerspace. Peerspace, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask about that. So Peerspace seems to be a similar model for events specifically or even shorter term, I guess, leasing of spaces exactly. or creative they spaces. They go hourly, which is fantastic. So that was the original vision. The original vision was was based on providing I it was always making retail accessible to anyone sure and I think that um, then it became retail and event space but um, we know that we still today we still provide showroom space for a lot of fashion brands so it doesn't necessarily have to have a storefront um, but I think we lean towards retail do you, do you think there's something that's been happening in the broader real estate landscape that has kind of brought this this ability to grow at this pace and and uh, and the demand that's coming from retailers is it on the landlord side? Right? Has there something that's spurred on this this kind of ecosystem that's growing at the pace that it's growing, like uh, that that is given that supply? Absolutely, I think it's the perfect uh, the perfect match of vacancies, and um, also you'll see in the past couple years, um, a lot of these long-term leases are now up. So the 20-year lease, the 10-year lease. And so you see that it went from the vacancy rate of 23%, uh, maybe even five years ago, and now it's up to 33 to 38% in some cities. That um, the national average, so I wouldn't put it on a national average. This is based on the cities that we're in. The cities that you're in. So mm-hmm. they call major metropolitans. That's <laughs> exactly. kind of directionally the case. How exactly. much would it be for me to rent out a Toys R Us space? A Toys R Us <laughs> space. So they're, they're about, yeah, that's about 15,000 square like, feet, is that, right? Is, is yeah. that on storefront as yet? Or? No, it isn't. But, no. you know, I think an that there. what we're always looking at is big <laughs> metropolitan areas. So we do get a lot of phone calls from from, um, you know, from a lot of different retailers saying, hey, can we list? Um, But we are primed for ensuring that the demand and supply match up. And we ensure that there is enough demand for the supply so that there's success on both sides. So to follow on that Toys R Us thread, though, um, has that been a bit of a trigger for um, other property managers that are seeing this volatility or just a fear that's setting in with retail. Now Absolutely. we're pretty intimate with the retail space, but realtors traditionally are not. Absolutely. So they're looking at this as a potential doomsday um, event. Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, you see that uh, Macy's had shut down so many and now the big news is all the acquisitions that they have in place, including beta, um, which congrats to them. Um, but I story think, as well, story as mm-hmm. well, uh, which is fantastic. And I think that the the major thing is seeing what they will do with the real estate they have today. So I have the great fortune of having worked on the other side with Westfield and been able to create an experiential program for them to say, look, it's about bringing 
people in and making it more relevant. So the thing about a lot of these real estate or shopping mall institutions is it's very static. Um, so they have purchased a ton of land, and if they don't change the way they interact with the consumers, it will stay flat. So one of the things that we saw and we actually uh, provided the space for was JCPenney's. Um, they actually created Jacques Penney. Uh, which was a really fun concept to bring their brand back to life. <laughs> so cute. it was kind of a playoff of, mm -hmm. you know, Target for Target, Jacques Penet for JCPenney's. Oh, nice. And they did a two-year, or sorry, it's not two-year, they did a two-day um, nonprofit um, charity, which they donated every single item that was purchased, um, and it was really fun event. So they created an experience for the people. And so speaking of experiences, I... I uh I feel like with the Toys R Us example, I saw, I think, Gary Vaynerchuk speak about this idea that the reason why they died is because they didn't innovate. They could have brought experiences into the stores, but instead they were basically just competing with online. Um, yes. And that went, then contrasting against the idea of short term, you know, creating experiences seems like you have to invest in the space. You have to invest in a build out to make it into something contrasting against the idea of something that's very short term. Do you see that as a contrast or do you think differently about how short-term and experiences yes, play. I think that that's where people get stuck. And I'll say from coming from the experience side, it doesn't take a lot of money to really change an experience. Uh, you know, most of the time it's a hello at the door, which is so actually no money at mm -hmm. all. Um, so when we share with a ton of brands who are looking to create an offline experience, the number one thing is budget. They get um, a little bit offline fear uh, based on knowing that, you know, usually it's 30% of the design um, and 30% of the, the space. And then the rest is operations. But, you know, Based on that, it seems like it would be you would need to have an entire retail plan. What we say is just take a look at the space and really be authentic with what you're trying to bring. So if you're trying to create a new experience to attract new lead gen, great. Just tell the same story that you would online, but tell it in person. And it makes it a lot easier. Um, you know, I would say that if I were to give grand advice to uh, to Toys R Us, um, it wouldn't be to create an entire store environment or to rebrand it entirely. It probably would just to, you know, just to say hello at the at the front of their store and find out what people are looking for. Um, and now there's so much technology um, in place, which is fantastically exciting. Well, right? to, to that point, I see storefront at a lot of conferences, whether it be Shop Talk, yes. NRF, and uh, South. I mean, you guys are everywhere where technology and retail meet. Yes. Um, how much consulting are you doing in terms of what available technologies there are to deploy in the in-store environment? Because as you mentioned, there is a lot out there and to cut through that noise is really important for some of your tenants. Yes. So we know what we do well and we connect brands with retail space. But one of the things that we always do is the beginning of the year when people are looking at their budgets, they want to know what they should do in terms of providing retail space as a um, strategy uh, for their entire marketing plan. Um, and I think most of the time what we're saying is, look, we're going to be opening in X city and X city. You know, these are the prices that um, we're looking at in terms of, you know, 3000 square feet, 5000 square feet. So this is what you should budget. So we get to be in front of a lot of those conversations. And it's exciting because most of the time we're just sharing with them, you know, the pricing and the budget. They've worked with us in the past. Maybe they did one pop up. And they're looking to expand their um, their national presence. 
And what is the average short-term stay? Like what, how many days, how many weeks yeah, do people we, extend? What does sure. that look like? We have a very dichotomous client. So as mentioned, there's a lot of the e-commerce players who are looking to pop up for the first time. Those guys are looking at about a six-week to even a three-month period. Then you have the uh, large uh, experiential activations that are doing pop-ups such as the Nikes and Adidas. And those guys are looking at the South by Southwest. So probably about three days, seven days. Um, so it's a good average of about, uh, I would say five days for these guys. And so back to my kind of earlier question, I feel like this is actually partially an answer that when you do something for a few days, it is an experimental experience that you can determine what works, what fits with your long-term strategy exactly. and then go bigger on it. Exactly. And that's what we try to encourage is Look, you don't. It doesn't take that much money to be able to actually uh, hear from your guests, for your customers, what they like, and say, you know, if they like a red toothbrush versus a green one. Um, and I think that with that, most people are doing it anyway, trying to learn more about their users. But when you hear it in person, it is, I mean, is beyond what you we could get in a survey. When we come back, we'll hear more about. Storefront's uh, vision for the coming years, and as well as your thoughts on the future of retail and real estate. Um, but before we do, uh, you were kind enough to bring a, a snack for uh, our uh, tradition of snack time. Snack time. <laughs> yes. What uh, what did you bring to share today? You know, so I am I'm about tradition, and um, I actually go to Bluestone. Do you have you guys ever been Bluestone Lane I Coffee? Just had dinner with Nicholas, who's the founder. Oh goodness, yeah, he's from yes. Sydney. Well, thank him and all, the, <laughs> all of their wonderful employees. So I, you know, as much as we have coffee in our office, one of the things that I love about getting my coffee every morning is really the ceremony of it. So. You know, I always say hi to Gio, who is the general manager of the store on Spring Street. He's fantastic. Before I walk in, he's already preparing my perfect mocha nice. with a little dash of chocolate. Um, it is just, it's its so lovely. And really what it is, is the change of mood in my morning. Because you can wake up and you could look at some work emails, already know that it's going to be a rough day. But it could t completely change by, you know, the experience that you have. And I love being able to get my coffee there. It's coffee therapy. It yeah. is coffee I therapy. I like how you tied that into just the welcome at the door. So essentially, this is your welcome into the day. It is. It is. And I think it's so important. If you can curate that for yourself, why not? Cool. So, so what did you bring us from Boost? So <laughs> I did not bring you the mochas. But no, it doesn't look like it. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which you guys should try from Gio. Uh, but I did bring these little bunk cakes. So they're nice. Very cool. perfect little bunk cakes. They have uh, There's the chai one, and then there's the birthday cake one. But they're just the perfect bite size, so it's great to to just have in your morning. And I think the perfect thing about adulting is eating uh, any sort of sweet treat in the morning because you can. That's <laughs> right. To my belly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I would have actually brought the chocolate cookies. They didn't have enough of it, but uh, those ones are great too. We'll uh, we'll check out these bunk cakes. Yes, and, please uh, do. We'll be right back. Sounds good. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading Smart Buyer Rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end -end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission Rebate. Smart buyers get more. 
with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Diving back into uh, our conversation, um, obviously we got a good introduction of what Storefront is, um, but I wanted to get your perspective on where you see retail going from here and how that's going to influence you know, retail real estate. Sure. So it's going to be about the mixed use. Um, everything mm. from co-working to retail to uh Technology, healthcare, I mean, it is going to be a mixed bag. I think everything is about accessibility. So if we can bring that all together, uh, whether it be one-day shipment of things, Mm. consolidation, um, but retail is going to get smaller, smaller, and more collaborative. Glorious last mile. What do you think is driving that? Is it, you know, landlords need to do something with their space, and so they're trying to stuff a lot together, or is is it being led by demand for... For people saying, I want to do everything in one, one place. Yeah, I think it's being led by the demand from the consumers. Um, and that for is sure. really what is driving the mixed use for um, for any build-outs. And then that's what's driving the change um, in how real estate is being built out. So we're in a world where the consumer is expecting customization on every level, whether it's the product down to the experience. So that's exactly. where you're finding a lot of these brands are becoming innovative and in testing out what solutions and what environment styles work for yeah. them, plus what markets work for them. You had touched uh, earlier on you know, digitally native retailers or companies, exactly. product brands going to physical. And that's only going to accelerate when you're seeing, you know, companies come out like the greats and, you know, uh, all birds. And I, I think Tom, you wear all birds. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm a big all birds fan. And obviously <laughs> you can, you can order them online really yeah. simply. They're very descriptive online. Um, but, but I there's do nothing go... like that, that physical touch, right. with, exactly. you know, and then you're seeing collaborations like, I mean, famously, Kith just killing it with everything, including Nike when they launched in, in NoHo, things like that. But what you're but overall, so the, this year alone, we're talking about maybe 3000 plus store closings, but 2000 plus store openings. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that's a net negative over there, giving some more inventory opportunity. Um, retail's on a rise, at least April, May. Um, from unprecedented levels that we haven't seen this year, at least, and kind of going back to mid last year. So, by what measure? It's like uh, so. Right now, they went up by like point eight percent, which is actually sales or total, yeah, yeah, total total, total retail sales in the U.S. Yes, percent. absolutely. So that has gone up for the for the highest increase since I guess the last six or seven months at least. So you're finding now back to back months with that. So it's a bit of a trend on the upward side. How do you see, like, where where is your perspective lie on the future of retail overall in the physical meaning space? Yes, I see a lot of collaboration between um, F and B and um, and the entertainment industry. Um, I mean, you mm-hmm. see, there's a museum for everything. You ice name cream. it, yeah, there's pizza, a pizza, ice yeah, cream. Pizza just yes. popped off, yeah. Um, so you know, we were just talking about candy. There yeah. could be a museum for candy if anyone wants to 
to put uh, pantries museum. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, people are in a space where they wanna they wanna learn, they wanna experience, they wanna share. And so when they can do all of that and eat good food, as you guys have nailed it on the head with doing a sharing of snacks to tell a story, um, you know, I think it's a it's a good move for people to to really represent their online product in an offline space and really share a story. So um, that's where I think that it's going to move into. Do you see a confluence of a kind of short term and multi-use? Is there a connection between those two explicitly? Like the food halls, for example, just one thought that comes to mind being you can slot in one vendor, slot it out. You know, you've got the kitchen build out already ready to go. Like, Does that fit into your profile? for? Yeah, for? absolutely. I, I see that happening. I mean, Kith, for example, right? They have um, their entire retail store and then they have a kitchen with... Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, these snacks and ice and cream they, they started with, ice yeah. cream that they started out with and there's just a rotation of goodies um so mm -hmm. yes it it's whatever brings you know people have an appetite all the time so when they have an appetite for shopping and you have a great treat to share with it why not it's instagrammable at that very moment and people love it how are you finding so the mixed use and the events side? So recently we did um, when I say recently, just two days before this recording, we did a live recording for our music show, Music mm -hmm. Innovation, at a pop up store in Soho called Even. Mm -hmm. Now they're on Green Street, great space that was for mixed use, but really intended for live events. So every day they are booked out with live events. They have a stage in the back. How are you seeing like this movement towards experiential and how are you consulting retailers to do that? Because their success is going to be your success, essentially. Absolutely. So, I mean, everything is going in the direction of experiential. Uh, we just, uh, right now, there's a, a exhibit called Happy Go Lucky that is happening on Wooster. Um, and there's nothing to sell. They have zero things mm -hmm. um, that is for sale, but it's about the Instagrammable moments that people then lead into potential uh, lead gen for whatever they might want to sell in the future. The first time I saw that, Melissa actually did something with uh, Mark Jacobs for a new fragrance that yes. they launched. And it was all about just getting the Instagrammable moments out there. They had like a basically like a whole flower bed of, you know, like a... a it felt like you were frolicking in, you know, a garden or something like that. And There's just, something you know. about that that's interesting is I think about, you know, we were talking before how uh, Shopify and Etsy led the way for kind of entrepreneurs now, Storefront and others leading the way for kind of bringing that to retail. Mm -hmm. The the idea of, of testing, of Instagramable moments and like to test what demand will be for future products is actually really interesting because it's a similar analogy to the way people create a landing page before a product is there. It's your minimum viable product. Then you see if there's demand, you build it. And this seems like similar evolution from an online-only, digital-only mm -hmm. manifestation to the real world, which well, you, you know, just, in the era of mass customization You is just important. don't need to sell product anymore. So the, the use case of a physical store isn't necessarily to sell product, but it's to, it's to attach to wherever that life cycle journey might be. So like if I experience a product here, but I might buy it two weeks later online or through Instagram, sure, that's sure, all part right. of the same yeah, yeah. kind of uh, you know journey, if you, if you will. And I, um, Yeah, I just, it's I just, how do you capture you know. those individuals who maybe you got them into the store, right? And that's the first thing. And I think that that's what the, the Macy's and the Nordstrom, they're trying to capture today is how are they going to have people have Instagrammable moments so that they can say, oh, look, these guys were here today. Why don't we ensure they know about our sale mm -hmm. that's coming up in the future? 
that's what's happening with retail is it's truly omni-channel by capturing when someone comes in and then maybe they want to think about it they want to share it with a friend and once that goes you know social then they'll guarantee but to come back how do you how do you prove out to a brand and say uh, okay so a concept store called in real life in chicago mm-hmm. uh, again by lioness group now how do you prove it? This is a store that carries zero inventory and they have like Lisa mattresses and whatever, all digitally native brands. So mm-hmm. like multi-brand kind of concept. And how do you sell that to a brand and say, look, like, no, you'll get the aggregate demand over there somewhere else, right? Like, is there is there any consulting on that end or any data on that end that you're able to share with retailers that could then get inspired to go into pop-up shops or experiential yes. retail? I mean, data is so important today because that's how we're able to get these off or these brands to jump offline. And so we are partnering with resource partners all the time to capture that. Um, I Can know you name s- a few, like a place meter or a yeah. listener? Yeah, so or- I mean, Samsung's doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job with that. And they have a couple of uh, different tech technology called their connected uh, pop-ups that allows for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, th- I believe they connected on that with in real life. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. 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 And then Intel has their, um, their version of their it. Version of it. Absolutely. Beta is another one who does a great job of that too. Um, but I think to ensure that it's not clunky, because at the end of the day, the reason why offline retail still exists today, it's because of the discovery. How do you uh, track that when most of the time what we're doing exactly. is it starts to rain. Great. I'm, I'm going to jump in, into a store and actually grab a jacket. Um, maybe you're with a friend. They're suddenly hungry. Great. They see something or maybe, you know, Instagram pops up and that emotes some emotion for you to jump in and want to purchase something. So. You know, it, it seems like, you know, the idea of showrooming as that started to become more popular seemed to be at first like the death knell of retail. And now it seems like it's a potential opportunity to be the, the death knell of brand advertising or the replacement to mm. Buying a TV ad to get your impression, you know, in the minds or brand in the minds of of a customer. In this way, physical retail, without an intention to drive sales in the store, but to you know have them buy it later or online, becomes a replacement to that. Absolutely, it's it's allowing us to use all of our senses, right? I mean, we see the brand so statically and uh, there's only enough Facebook ads or Instagram ads that allow for a discovery to happen. But when you are able to walk into a store or just so happen to walk into a store and you smell something that mm-hmm. smells amazing, you know, suddenly you have an attachment and maybe it smelled like a bun cake from your childhood. That might There's real allow... science into that though. Yeah, into, absolutely into there is. Absolutely. Yeah. From scent to to just the feel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a brand that does a really great job is Parachute. Um, and they ensure that when you walk into the store, the smell, the feel, every sensory is down to the T, the same branding as their online experience. And I think it's it's beautifully done. So, um, you know, owed to that and the, the potential for more brands to do that, capture the moment in which someone becomes addicted. And addiction comes mostly in person. When you see something, you feel something, or that salesperson, they know your name. They say, hey, how's it going, Tom? You know, and the moment they do that and they know exactly the size of your shoe from Allbirds, you know, you're probably more likely to actually jump in. And yeah, I mean, if Allbirds Soho store is yeah. definitely gives a good feel versus a conventional yes. shoe store. Because you like, you can sit in like in a circle near a community. Mm-hmm. There's people helping you. You can still go and touch all the all the shoes. And everything's sustainable, but you're not right? seeking out um, 
someone to like, oh, hey, can I try this in a, mm-hmm. you know, size X, Y, Z, you know? So what's next? Where do you, where do you guys go from here? You have a ton of money. There's a ton of inventory constantly popping up. I mean, it seems like it's pretty limitless in terms of the opportunity ahead, but how do you tackle something like this? Yeah, I think that based on, um, you know, I, I mean, the natural growth trajectory is opening more spaces, locations for the inventory to grow so that everyone, um, if you're in middle America or in other areas um, outside of this country, you'd be able to also access retail. And it doesn't cost anything for property owners to That's list. That's correct. So it does not cost anything right now. We waive that because we find it very important sure. to ensure that listing owners have um, no barriers to actually list On the space. temporary side, do you take any exclusivity on the on these contracts? No, or? we're always about the success of these pop-ups. So uh, what we always say is that, hey, look, it's not about you know the traditional brokerage model, which always signing the dotted line, ensuring exclusivity. What we do is it's based on the success. If you see that there's tons more activity, great, fantastic. List with us. We ensure that your space will become more active, more relevant based on global brands coming and seeing. So it's more of a lead gen model, right? Um, Which is very exciting for a lot of these listing owners who traditionally what you would see is a brand just so happens to walk by a street and they see the name and then they call you. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that brand is actually qualified is up in the air. But what we do is we aggregate both sides where we ensure from the listing owner that, hey, these brands are relevant, they are uh, qualified, and then they will be connected with your space and then vice versa. You know, we, and we've talked a lot about like the landlords that have this remnant inventory take advantage mm-hmm. of the uh, retailers that that have the demand to put their their short term spaces into use. How about the future of real estate? Do you see developers starting to proactively think about how short term spaces can be utilized for properties that they're building? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, great example is um, is the yard. Um, Another one would and be... the yard. Just to explain through, that's a co-working space that stems from New York. So I think that's pretty centric to New York City, right? Exactly. So what are they doing? Exactly. I mean, every there's a lot of conversation about retail and how that will develop. Um, and you know, without giving too much away, but I, I, as mentioned earlier, mixed use, right, is being able to say how do they create a event co-working retail model um, all in the same light and be able to make it transformative based on demand. And just go, you touched on international earlier. You're in Canada. How how does that U.S. versus international theme play out? Cause like shopping trends are different in other countries. Is the pop up trend as as prevalent in international countries versus the United States? Yeah, uh, I would say that where there is retail, where there is real estate, there is an opportunity for storefront, uh, which is exciting for us because at the end of the day retail will constantly be changing. And for real estate to catch up, you know, we're there to make that transition. So whether it's excess inventory or vacancies, we're here to make it sure that that space is relevant, whether or not you're waiting for your long-term lease, tenant, eventually, great, we can activate it in the interim. Even if, let's say, you're you're renting it out for a 10-year period, congratulations. But in that interim, you don't want people to lose faith in that area. So, um Bleaker, for example, you know, you see a lot of vacancies. The best thing is for us to activate that space. It used to be Mark space. Jacobs Lane. Yeah, exactly. The and, whole thing. 
And, you know, the best case scenario is to activate the space. Even if the landlords want to wait for a long-term lease, you can bring in lots of activity and get people interested in mm. Bleecker Street once again. So we talked about the inventory side on the real estate, the property. But on the flip side, as creative officer, uh, are, is, are you seeing more of an opportunity going forward on connecting with digitally native brands, whether it's a list or Farfetch or the real, real things like that, that are ex- having explosions of growth, Poshmark, whatever it might be? Yes. Or are you looking at, um, you know, just, again, kind of pull marketing efforts where you're, you're you just want to be in front of everybody that might be looking at? Yeah, it's extremely important for us to get in front of these digitally native brands. Um, As they develop their growth strategy, we're right there ensuring that they know exactly what the cost might be from a small store and build it out to a bigger store. Um, But what we're seeing is that most of it is showrooming uh, where they don't have the inventory in store. They're able to use Mm -hmm. their digital platform um, and send all of that. Zola is probably the best experience I've seen actually from that. Yes, uh, Reformation is a great one too where they, they just launched right on Worcester or I mean on Green Street? They did and they're actually doing uh, 10 Do, more pop-ups as well. In, are the, is that through you guys or no? Yes. We're Get out. To I actually that. walked by the uh, the Reformation one so I uh, there was a line 3 blocks down and I just kind of followed it we just, just to see did what was an going Instagram on and it was story on that too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was on the yeah, it just went live. That's were you crazy. Uh, were you Instagram storying that while you were walking past it? I wasn't. I was just really curious. That should be right. <laughs> and M M Lafleur is a great example. So they they've yeah. been around for a couple of years, but they're it's fantastic. They are really focused on uh, the female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the female entrepreneur, and they essentially bring a closet of really really uh, fine tuned. Uh, dresses for the female entrepreneur and they've been doing a ton of pop-ups with us Um, so we're excited to continue to see them grow in different cities and then hopefully offer more cities for them to grow it's limitless with this stuff the marketplace is it is the day the nature it is and they're they're really leading where we go next too i mean you know there's been a lot of asks for dc so you guys might see us popping up there um, as well as atlanta but we are also excited to get out to the West Coast again. What in are your terms primary of markets now? Our primary, New York and Los Angeles are our biggest markets. Got it. Um, always, always. Um, San Francisco for um, technology uh, around Dreamforce time. We love being able to provide the service companies with pop-ups and that always happens. Um, so, cool. yeah. Great. Well, coming up, uh, we'll get a little more personal with the questions beyond Storefront and sure. uh, learn more about Joy. Hey, this is Pub and Ball with Fashion Is Your Business and Mouth Media Network. We record with amazing founders and business leaders across um, fashion and retail and beauty and all those good things. I'm excited to let you know that we're actually heading out to Sydney uh, and quite soon this month. So July 25th and 26th, we're going to be joining the Nora Network and uh, we're going to be over at Online Retailer uh, in Sydney, Australia, recording with some of the business leaders there, some of the uh, innovative uh, startup founders, and we're, we're going to explore as much as we can, and we're going to bring that to you. But if you are in Sydney, would love to connect you, with you. Uh, please email me directly if you'll be in the area. Pavan, that's P-A-V-A-N, at mouthmedianetwork.com. And then the following week on August 1st, we are partnering with IFAB, which is uh, led by Saskia Fairful. And on August 1st, we're going to be doing a Mouth Media Live, our first Mouth Media Live in Australia, so very excited about that. If you will be in the Melbourne area, uh, we 
highly encourage you to get involved. Uh, again, give me a shout. Or you can visit fashionisyourbusiness.com, and in the top right, you'll see a link to the event. We've been fortunate, of course, to capture stories from places like Copenhagen and San Fran and Vegas. And uh, now we're going to be out in Australia, and we're very excited. Hope to see you there. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. We've talked a lot about brands, and we rather than just ask you what your favorite brand is, which brand do you identify most with? Ooh. What's your spirit animal store <laughs> or a brand? I mean, was your... effectively, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. You know, I'll say that I one of the brands I've fallen in love with um, is Quip. And if you guys don't know Quip, is that the toothbrush? It is the toothbrush. Uh, it comes in just the most magical of colors. Um, I love that they've taken an industry that has essentially um, everybody has a fear of from their dentist stories, mm -hmm. right? And they've taken that and said, you know what? We're going to run with that. And we're going to say, look, everybody has a mouth and we're going to make it sexy and cool. And we're going to make you fall in love with brushing your teeth again. And so they've essentially done that and they've created the most beautiful colors Mm -hmm. um, you can now rotate it out. There's a subscription model. You get information from the app. I just love it. Is it an electric toothbrush? It no? is an electric is, toothbrush, right? and they you can um, you can basically stick it on the wall. But then it it um, is very travel um, friendly, so it's not this big electrical where you have mm -hmm. to bring the uh, the wires and all of that stuff. It's battery operated. Um, and I think it's it's fantastic. And so definitely follow them is on. Your spirit animal brand. You know, because <laughs> what I find, what I love about that is they've taken something and they've taken a problem and they've created a solution around it and made it an addiction. And I love that. So any anyone who is in the creative field where you can use creativity as your currency for driving success um quip has done an incredible job with that speaking of so you are the chief creative officer for for storefront what is what does that mean in the context of you know a real estate and retail oriented company so exactly that is that real estate has not been shifted in uh, or has not shifted in so many years and retail you know, based on consumerism has now been catching up. So it is being able to get creative with every circumstance. Uh, when we jump on phone calls with listing owners, and I do just about anything, um, most of the time, maybe they have a barrier of uh, or a resistance to the conversation we have about short term. You got to get creative. So a lot of it is on the partnership end, um, a lot of creative strategy globally. But a lot of times it is just the conversation that we have and uh, making sure that the barrier entry is knocked down. And we, on both sides, allow for not only our our, um, our brands to get used to the idea of doing something offline and then for the listing owners to get used to the idea of short term. Did you grow up creatively? Were you an artist or a musician or anything? You know, I so I was born in New Orleans. I was around music. Um, I come from immigration immigrant parents. And so, you know, every day was about 
learning something new. Um, I also, I'm a twin sister, or I'm a twin, um, an identical twin, which we just oh, learned wow. in the past uh, few months. And, uh, you know, and I think that that's why it was so important to understand brand identity from such an early age, because as a twin, people group you together. Um, I'm sure you guys have met twins, and the immediate thing is, look, you guys are so cute. And then they start to pick things apart. But the thing that that I'm so grateful for as um, a, a pillar of, of my own identity is because of twinship, that I had to learn about m not only my own identity and my individualization of my identity, but others too. And so I learned about everyone's assets. That's why um, in terms of a space, I can see a listing and I can see the, the asset of that listing immediately. Uh, when I see a brand, um, I'm able to see, look, they will grow into a pretty creative or exciting brand in the next five years because of X, Y, Z reasons. And how do you mean you learned in the past few months? So you know what? 23andMe. Uh, we actually were told that we we're fraternal twins. Okay. For many many years, wow. and then we actually we were, you know, we were looking we at long lost. You, you no, we weren't. We weren't. But you know, that phone call when we Facetime each other and actually recognized that we were identical. It was fun. It was really really cool. Did you have that's fascinating. And that's, we the I've thing is, we looked we look very similar. We have the same stature, the same smile, which we owe to our orthodontist. Um, but <sighs> everybody said you guys are definitely identical. And we're like, nope. You know, my dad is. It an wasn't OBG. obvious that you were identical. No, and the thing is, we just trusted. Look, if if your doctors, you yeah. know, tell your parents, we're fraternal. You guys are yeah, fraternal. We say, okay, great. And we thought, you know what? Maybe it's just that we ate very similar things, you know, in our youth, and we just grew up with the same stature. But um, now it all makes sense, and I think it makes it exciting to see that. Hey, look, all my life I wanted to differentiate myself, and today. I get excited that I share the hundred percent same DNA with somebody else. Mm. So it's cool. Were you able to like share clothes growing up, or uh... we didn't because I was so stuck on this, this idea that we are different. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now today, you know, I actually yeah. love Rent the Runway. Anything that is uh, is very easy. And but not I with always, your sister. Different. Yeah, no, no. We now because <laughs> Just we're share an account. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like now you got to go back to school and try to fool the teacher. I you know. missed out all these opportunities. We did. As a kid. We did. And I think that we're we're trying to figure out ways to you know to live coast to coast and be able to do that without actually being there. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know. That is cool. Yeah, yeah go fine. to work, go to work for each other. I know. Actually, she is definitely uh, she's definitely a badass. And there are days with the team that maybe it's a little rough. That I, you know, I think to myself, maybe I should send the Just sister. slide her in. Exactly. Let her take care of this. She is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a little, you know, maybe by nature because my name is Joy. That that I have this, you know, this smiley nature. She's got the, you know, very good stern face that you just don't want to mess with uh, what's, after what's a long her day. First name if you don't her name listen. is Jill. Got it. Well, uh, Joy, this yes. has been a, a great conversation. Uh, we always, you know, like talking about new topics on the show. So uh, extending our coverage of retail has been uh, very uh, uh, fulfilling to hear more about a different topic. Um, but uh, before we uh, before we end for the day, uh, we like to ask all of our guests to leave us, uh, you know, f with a final thought. Um, what would you like to share with the audience today? Yeah, I would. I would share that um, if you are a brand, get to know your customer. Um, if you are in real estate, for um, you to get creative with your space, 
call us that storefront. <laughs> um, and I would say if you're a consumer, you know, you are in control, which is very exciting because we're all consumers here. So um, with that, you know, definitely share with with brands to, to go out and do pop-ups if, let's say, you're loyal to an e-commerce brand. Um, and I'll, I'll end with my favorite qu quote from Albert Einstein, um, creativity is intelligence having fun. Awesome. Uh, if folks want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect? Sure. I love visuals. So if you want to uh, direct message me on, on Instagram, it's joy.fan. Um, and yeah, just say hello there. Or if you want to email me, it's jfan at thestorefront.com. Excellent. Uh, thank you as always uh, to everyone for listening and for Scott. Bye, everyone. And Pavan. Shake it easy. I'm Tom, and real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. <laughs>